Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the C.L. Brown Show. I am your host, C.L. Brown, columnist with the Louisville Courier-Journal. Inspired by the NBA All-Star Game in Indianapolis last weekend, I gathered an all-star trio of guests to talk basketball for this episode. Joining me are Gary Washburn of the Boston Globe, Mark Spears of ESPN's Anscape.com, and David Aldridge from The Athletic. Before we transition to the interviews, though, let's start with the little CL sounds off. Iowa women's basketball star Caitlin Clark became the all-time leading scorer in NCAA Division I history last week, yet has somehow morphed into the most polarizing player in basketball. It's not that she's being critiqued. That's fair game no matter how good she is. It's how she's being dissected. A lot of people just kind of probably should keep their mouths closed. The latest misstep came from ESPN analyst Jay Williams when he said that Clark wasn't great because she hadn't won a national title yet. Thankfully, friend of the show, Jay Billis, set the record straight and set Williams straight by properly labeling her a generational talent regardless of championship hardware. But to flip Jay Williams' own argument on his head, some of the greatest players in the game didn't win championships in college, like greatest players in the history of the game. And I'm not going to go down the entire roll call, but just think back to one player, Larry Bird. When Bird left Indiana State, and let's pause to consider how many times the Sycamores have reached the Final Four before and after Bird played. See how short that pause was? It's only a breath because they never did and probably never will get back unless they have a generational talent like Bird. Indiana State played Magic Johnson's Michigan State team for the 1979 title, which set records for, it's still a record to this day, for the most watched game in college basketball history because Bird was that great. The same can be said of Clark lifting Iowa to the title game last season. The Hawkeyes don't sniff the Final Four without Clark in the lineup. Now, just because she's a transcendent college player doesn't mean she's going to dominate the WNBA when she inevitably plays in the league. But this is just a reminder that it's okay just to stop and appreciate greatness because you never know when you're going to see it again and in what form it will come in. That's all for Sound Off. Now, let's get to the interviews. I want to preface these interviews with a little background information 
on the NBA's G League Ignite team. It was created as a developmental program for elite high school players who wanted to essentially begin their professional careers without having to make a one-year pit stop in college. When it was created back in April 2020, folks in college basketball circles were a little bit weary that the lure of earning a salary, which they at the time, I don't know if it's still this way, they were offering up to half a million dollars to play in the uh, play for the Ignite team. And folks in college basketball thought that might siphon off a lot of the top players away from college hoops and in, in, in turn diminish the product. Programs like Kentucky, who competed for those elite level players, were going to go head to head with the Ignite team over recruits. Now, UK won some of those battles, like with Shaden Sharp, although that wasn't the win it seemed to be at the time, since Sharp never actually took to the court for the Wildcats. But that's entirely different <laughs> if we dissect Sharp's uh, foray into UK, then that's an entire episode on itself. But they also lost some of those recruiting battles to Ignite, uh, like with Mattis Bazoulis last year. Well, let's fast forward to today's landscape where name, image, and likeness is providing enough money for elite players in college that the draw of getting paid at Ignite is no longer the difference maker. So over the weekend, NBA commissioner Adam Silver addressed the media uh, during his annual address and indicated there might be a change coming with Ignite. And these interviews will be in part discussing the impact of that possible decision on college basketball. And I am joined now by Mr. Mark Spears with ESPN's Anscape. And I need to note, he is a former Louisville Courier-Journal reporter. I always try and get the alums. <laughs> who, who, replaced get <laughs> who, who replaced me? Who replaced me? I wouldn't say I replaced you. I would say I got hired when you left. <laughs> There's a big difference. Yeah. It was a different time for us, man. I was... Uh, uh, general assignment reporter, sports reporter, which means that someone crazy. told me that, and which you had the job after. We were generally assigned to do whatever the hell they wanted <laughs> us to do. Once again, shout out to Harry Bryant. Um, so look, man, I'm, I'm and trying, Benny Benny Ivory and Benny Ivory. Shout out to Benny Ivory. So I'm looking at the prism of college basketball through the NBA. And I, I was really struck by Adam Silver's comments um, yeah. during All-Star Weekend about the future of G League Ignite. So I wanted to get your perspective just on from from the NIL now coming into play and from college kids actually being able to make money in yeah. college, how that might change the dynamics yeah. of a kid coming out of high school, whether yeah. they're going to college or straight to G League Ignite. Well, um, I was a little surprised by Adam Silver's comments. I've been really, really uh, heavily involved with the G League Ignite since its inception. You know, I live in the Bay Area, and they started in Walnut Creek, California, in the Bay. And I think it's done great things. If you look at his alumni right now, it's yeah. Jalen Green, it's Jonathan Kaminga, it's uh, Scoot Henderson, Scoot. you know, um, and there's several other players as well. Um, and then I see two lottery guys on their team right now, maybe more. 
think the problem with the team this year, why they're so bad, is they just put too many young guys. It's usually about three to five. Now they got like seven or eight. It's too young. Yeah. And uh, so I think that's why they're getting destroyed on a nightly basis. But, you know, the NIL did change things. And I think it certainly is a benefit to college basketball if, you know, your school has money. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I worked in Kentucky, and I not only covered the U of L and the University of Kentucky, but I did Western Kentucky, Murray State, Eastern Kentucky. You know, all the other schools. You know it inside and out. There's, there's certainly a difference between what Kentucky and U of L can offer somebody, and what Murray State and yeah. Northern Kentucky and Eastern Kentucky, and you know what I'm saying. Yeah. And I think that oftentimes isn't talked about like i have a, my master's from lsu we got money <laughs> i also got a bachelor's degree from san jose state we don't have money you know what i mean yeah. so there, there's certainly the haves and the haves not which all the uofl and kentucky people listening are like they don't care about these <laughs> the, the mid-majors right but I, I do think that you're going to see people like I think the assumption is players will stick around longer, mm-hmm. but the NBA pays really well. It does. So I don't know that I uh, stick subscribe around longer to that might theory. just be a year. Yeah. Like, like might... who's the kid from North Carolina that won't go into the league? You mean right now? Yeah. Armando Baycott. You mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. he should have went into. I thought he would go in two years ago. He, he's still he, hanging he around. He might have been friends. Like he's probably making more at North Carolina yeah. than. Then but he would have make an NBA. But those well, are guys. I guess it depends on where he would be selected, right? Yeah, those to are me, guys if you're that like a top twenty fringe. guy, yeah, then you better go to the NBA, mm-hmm. right? If you're a late first or later, stick your butt in college, yeah. man, and try to, especially if you're a star there, and try to milk it for as much as you can. Like, I I do like the value of, you know, when I I I thought it was cool when I lived in Louisville that. You know, Dr. Duncan Stein still lived there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Houston still lived there. And all these former players still live there. And I think one of the reasons they do is because L takes care of L. If you graduated from there and you live there, you're going to have a job. Like, <laughs> somebody going to take care of you and find a way yeah. for you to be successful. Yeah. L takes it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, and so... There's only 450 people that can play in the NBA, and to get there, you got to take somebody's job, right? So unless you're not a bona fide lottery pick, I think it probably behooves most college kids to stay yeah, yeah. and try to milk that for what it's worth. Um, I know a mid-major college basketball player that was offered $750,000 to go play for another school to play at a mid-major, making wow. nothing. And he opted to go to the NBA. Mm. And now he's in the G League making $30,000. So it didn't work out for him, man. Like he gambled on himself yeah. with one COVID year left of eligibility and There's lost. There's always going to be that, too. Yeah. yeah. So because of the NIL money, to me, if you're an NBA prospect, even if you're at a mid-major, there's somebody that will pay you to stay. Yeah. So I, I think the star high school I mean the star college kids will continue to come out early but the middle of the pack people will probably stick around longer so that's probably I guess one of the benefits of NIL right yes well let me let you go on this question to to Silver's point 
he was talking about kind of the lack of skill, for, for <laughs> lack of a better way to phrase it. Um, well, maybe not lack of skill, lack of preparedness yeah. of the kids who come out now and, and saying that, you know, maybe we need to look more at development along the way. How do you feel? Where do you feel the game is? Do you feel like, because I feel like I hear people say that about where the game is going, where we are now, as if we still don't have skilled people coming from this nation. Like, I, I know international I, I basketball has gotten I, better. I don't but, know when the last time Adam went into the AU tournament, but I feel like these kids are more skilled now than ever before. But they're all trying to shoot three-pointers. To me, that's oh, the problem. Sure. Steph Curry effect. Yeah. You know, they're, they're all, uh, to me, the, the three-pointer is a little man's dunk. You know, so, <laughs> right? Like, that's a good way to so put So you, you got all these kids wanting to shoot threes that maybe have these other skills because, like, man, like, look, I had no access to gym until high school. These kids got access to gym at three years old. They got access to coaches <laughs> Outside of their Trainers, coaches, if, yeah. if, if their parents can afford these people. Yeah. If you're really nice, someone's going to take care of you and get you better tutoring and get you on a great AAU team. Like, we need to stop beating up on these American kids, man. There's, <laughs> there's a lot of talent. And every time I see the clips of the top scorers in the NBA, 80% of them are from this country. So, may, I, I think a lot of times we... You know, obviously, Wimbledonna, MB, Giannis, Joker, Doncic, like, those guys are probably the next wave of stars, right, yeah. that people are talking the most about. But, you know, Anthony Edwards is pretty good. You know, Trey Young's not bad, right? Um, Halliburton. There, there's some other people on the rise coming Still up, too. Coming. Yeah, exactly. so... I think John Morant will figure it out. <laughs> like Zion Williamson, hopefully, will get healthier. Like um, I, don't, I don't, I don't, I don't see anybody, you know, pushing the U.S. away in terms of being the leader in basketball. Indeed, indeed. Well, I appreciate you joining me, Mark. All right, that love you, Mr. brother. Mark Spears, love you too, brother. And I am happy to be joined by Mr. David Aldridge. David, how long have you been covering the NBA? I, I didn't um, even think of that. <laughs> this will be, uh, well, this is year 35. 35. Okay, so yeah. <laughs> there is a wealth of knowledge that's going to go into these couple of questions. Okay. <laughs> uh, obviously, Adam Silver, during his uh, news conference during All-Star Weekend, addressed the future, or at least said they're going to reevaluate, they're going to reexamine yeah. the future of the uh, Ignite team. Yes. Which, when it was introduced, it was kind of like, this is going to rival, this might siphon players yeah. from college basketball. And it has taken, you know, Some. a few players here yes, and there. Yes, yes. But um, do you think it survives, especially based now on, for, for him just to put out those comments, yeah. and also based on the NIL element now in college Yeah, I mean, I think that's the realistic answer is, I don't, you know, if it does, it won't be what they hoped it would be which was just basically let's pick let's let's throw so much money at the top four to six guys coming out of high school that two or three of them sign with us every year 
And we can do that in perpetuity because we have a lot of money. Colleges fluctuate in terms of how much resources they have. But to your point, when NIL has kicked in and schools are, it's an arms race, you know that. I mean, you know it's what, what schools and not even like power six schools are throwing at players to keep them there. The whole operating principle of the G- of Ignite doesn't make sense anymore because they can't fight 300 schools. You know, they, you know, they can't fight the top 20 schools every year that have the resources. I mean, how... Kentucky's not going to lose a bidding war with the NBA. North Carolina's not going to lose a bidding war with the NBA. You know what I mean? So, like, um, so yeah. I mean, it's, see that I understand what he's saying. I mean, they, they were they were very intentional about we're going to provide the coaching and the training that that allows players to be prepared to come to the NBA. But at the end of the day, schools are offering two million, two and a half million, three million kids are going to take that like you have to take that you'd be stupid not to right so so yeah i think that you know there might still be something called g league ignite but it might be a totally different you know kind of program than the one that they hoped it would be yeah do you think um i might be straying from the course here a little bit but in terms of the branding like you know back in the day a kid stays four years in college tim duncan for instance right you know who Tim Duncan is when he's drafted. When sure. he comes into the league, you have your eye on him. Mm-hmm. A kid who goes the other route, like like Scoot Henderson, yes. for instance. Yes. It didn't feel like to me he had that same kind of draw when he got drafted in the league. Even though I think the talent-wise, I see the yeah. upside and everything. Yeah. But, yeah. but I pay attention to it, and right. casual people, maybe not. Well, I mean, does that hurt? Ultimately, does that hurt the kid in the NBA? The bottom line is he went third and two kids from overtime elite went top ten. So it hurt him some, (laughs) (laughs) maybe, but not really. You know what I mean? Like, if my goal is to be a top ten pick in the NBA, they got drafted into the top ten. You know, and, uh, you know, a couple of Ignite guys that are on the team this year, I think, have a pretty good shot of being top ten, top fifteen picks. So, um you know, it's different just because people don't have as much access to the games. I mean, you have to go on YouTube to watch overtime play, right? Like, so, you know, um, Ignite played some games on ESPN, but you had to search for them a lot. You know, you, they weren't on the mothership all the time. Yeah. So, so from that standpoint, and, you know, people have said this to me, like, the bird dogs get there. Then those are the people that matter. It, the casual fan maybe didn't have the background on some of these guys on the Thompson brothers or, or Scoot that, that the NBA people did, but they certainly identified them early all as, hey, those guys are going in the top ten, and they did. Yeah. And last question, folding this back kind of towards college basketball. Mm-hmm. How much do you think the future of college basketball in terms of right now we do have NIL, but you can kind of see – yeah players getting played in the future is sure. i don't think we're that far off from that actually you know being official how do you think that will impact the game i mean d- does that mean we may have more i mean it's not gonna go back right to four year you know kids no, staying for, for too long yeah. but do you think there there is at least a semblance of you know uh 
maybe kids come out of college a little bit more polished and, and ready for the league? Well, the, you know, I always, you know, the top players always will. I mean, the top players will always be ready. Um, they could be more ready, I guess. But for the most part, I always think, I always think the elite talents want, figure find their way up to the top of the draft. Um, you know, whether they are seasoned or not seasoned, what I, what I think will, what I wonder about with college basketball is the portal. Like, it's just not sustainable. But they have 1,300 kids in the portal this year. There's just, like there's just not, there's not enough spots for all of you. Like, what, you know, like my, I follow, because of my alma mater, I follow the Patriot League, which is the smallest, one of the smallest conferences in Division One. And there's kids every year, it's like half, half they lose half their team to the portal. I'm like, yeah. You're in the Patriot League. Where do you think you're going? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so it's crazy. It's crazy. That to me is what's not sustainable. Um, I suspect, I mean, I suppose that at the top of the food chain, the elite players, maybe a few of them per every year will stay because there's just too much money not to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that will help. Um, some guys, I don't know that it will help everybody. Yeah. I think some guys are just going for for a payday that may not be there when they get to the league, yeah. you know, because it could be a second-round pick. I mean, it's, look, everybody thinks they're a first-round pick. There's only 30 picks. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're not all, you're not all first-round picks. Like, you're not – it's not happening for you. So, I, you know, so there will be – I don't think it will impact – the the top two or three guys every year because no matter what their path is they're going to be the top two or three guys but that next group maybe some guys you'll maybe you'll have some more three-year guys i don't think anybody's going to stay four but you may have some more three-year guys and maybe some more two-year guys than you would normally have but the push push back on that is guys got to get to their second contract as soon as they can. Yeah, yeah. So the push is always, I got to get into the league as soon as possible so I can get to my next contract, so I can get paid. <laughs> and that push from agents is never ending and it's never going to end. So the forces are very interesting in terms of who's going to be impacted by them and who's going to transcend them. So I'm, I'm curious because I don't know. Like who's going to be, I, I don't want to say badly impacted by because I don't think anybody's going to be badly impacted unless they are delusional about their standing and you'd like to think that with all of the education and all of the people that are scouting at all levels now and obviously AAU and high schools are scouted incredibly that kids would have a realistic idea of who they are and where they where they fit uh, now but well. the kids <laughs> yeah. the kids right <laughs> so we'll see <laughs> Well, I appreciate you joining me. Listen to his insight, David Aldridge with The Athletic. Welcoming to the show, Boston Globe NBA columnist Gary Washburn. Gary, I appreciate you joining me on this show. Always good to be here, CL. Gary, I wanted to start with the, uh, after the last collective bargaining agreement for for the NBA, there was talk going into that that maybe they were going to finally get back to allowing 18-year-olds to come straight into the league from from high school. Since they did not, you still have to be a year removed from your graduating class. What kind of impact do you think that has long-term? Like, did you agree with them sticking with that rule? Did you think it was good for both college basketball and the league? 
Yeah, I thought they might have, should have extended it maybe two years. But it, it was a weird wrinkle, CL, because there was this perception that the players wanted the high school rule to come back because it's more, you know, freedom and, you know, right to work and all that labor stuff. And and if you're old enough to go to war, you should be old enough to go to the league and all that. But in in, in contrast, it was the players that didn't want it. And that's the interesting wrinkle to this. Adam Silver wanted high school players to return to the league. College coaches, the Krzyzewskis and a lot of those guys had, you know, maybe not Calipari, but to the Krzyzewskis and a lot of the established college coaches, the Izzos, were going to the league and saying, like, I don't, we don't want kids to be going to school for one semester, yeah. go, playing through the tournament, and then March, 7, or March 21st when they're eliminated, going right to L.A. and training for the draft. And, like, it doesn't do any good for our program. Um, so there was this perception that the league, so the league supported that. But the Players Association thought it would save more jobs for veteran players to have fewer 18-year-olds coming yeah. to the league. They said it's already bad enough. A lot of the 30-somethings in the league are getting pushed out. If you look around, like guys that you're familiar with, DeMarcus Cousins and you know uh, other guys that are 30-something, even now, Danny Green, Austin Rivers, a guy who you know just came out of the draft. I think he was a 10 draft or 11 draft is literally out of work, and he's 31, 32. So they wanted to secure more jobs for veteran players as opposed to having the 18-year-olds come into the league. Because if you know, CL, if you start letting 18-year-olds, there's going to be a lot of kids making mistakes. Like, it's just the way it's always been. You know, there's plenty of guys that we know that just came out the league, played two, three, four years, and then, you know, I know a kid who was actually a one-and-done I covered with the Celtics – James Young, who had a really good NCAA final game against UConn, and they lost, and decided to come out, and I, I don't think he, he lasted a year and a half. Yeah. And he's, I think, playing, I forgot where he's playing now, and he he just wasn't ready. Yeah. And even the one and Duns aren't ready, so I think the league is trying to protect these kids from themselves. There's always going to be a percentage that slips through the cracks, if you will. So I will let you go on this last question. How healthy do you feel like the game is right now, just in terms of where we're going in the future? Obviously, internationally speaking, the game continues to grow, and I, I feel like we're going to continue to see the the uh, jokers of the world and, and the Lucas of the world come over, Giannis, all those. Um, but how do you feel like, where do you feel like the health is in, in the states, it's a concern, CL, because you look at okay, the number one prospect last year was Victor Wembanyama, obviously a generational talent. This year, it's Alex Sar, another Frenchman, um, who and this is not a great draft coming up. Like, don't get it twisted. Like this twenty four draft, the teams are trying to get out of it. But I think with the American side, you had. Zion Williamson, who's yet to be healthy and yet to be completely in shape. Yet John to be Mar- committed. Huh? <laughs> I said yet to be committed. Committed to really being a great player. Yeah. And you see the talent, but his commitment ain't there. John Morant was on that on the on the way, but then he can't, you know, stay off Instagram and stay away from guns. 
So he's botching it. So the young American prospects are kind of dying. I think it's tough because the young American players are either one and done and they're not, they're so unpolished. And then because they realize if they stay in school, then they're going to get tabbed as too old. Yeah. Like it's just the, the draft process is much harder on American players. The scrutiny of it, because they get seen every every week, every day, every other day on ESPN and all the college, all their games. I just think that you know whether whether when it's an international prospect, there's like this mystery. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I remember Dante Exum coming out. Oh my God, this Australian sensation! Like, nah, like. <laughs> Been out the league, came back, now he's back in the league with Matt. Like, never became anything. We're not going to solve it by talking, but it's good to talk about it. And I appreciate you joining the show. You'll have to come back probably uh, in the summer, right around draft time. Yeah, for sure, for sure. (laughs) For sure. Gary Washman with the Boston Globe. Thanks for joining. And that will do it for another episode of the C.L. Brown Show. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned a little something from it. And I hope you will subscribe to it. If not, we'll drop another episode on Wednesday and try and lure you into subscribing. But you don't have to subscribe to leave a positive review. And we're only taking positive reviews because we need more love in this world. Thanks for listening again. Tune in again next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.